Welcome to the Cabin Cast. Your getaway primer. Hello. Hey, Eric. All right. So this recording, if it sounds just a little bit different, we're both at our respective locations. I'm out in Phillips at our manufacturing facility in the place we call the lodge. So kind of a hunting property that we go to. And you're at our normal spot. Yep. I'm back in the studio, but we're using different equipment. And, you know, honestly, even when we have like these little hiccups trying to get everything hooked up, it's like I remind myself, this is good. It's learning new things. It's taking yeah. on new challenges, and we always figure it out. So it's good. Yes. Yeah, so if it sounds just a, a little bit different, we'll we'll uh, tweak it and see what we can do in post production. But it's kind of fun when we're not, you know, in the same space that we can still record with modern technology, and we'll we'll kind of use these tools to keep the episodes flowing as much as possible here. Yes, because I know it's one of our goals is to just be able to keep recording and be consistent for our listeners because they're so excited to have us back. We got some great feedback this week as people started to hear that we're back in the studio or back with our microphones in front of us. One of our great followers, Sue Sharp, sent us a really fun message that I thought would be great to read. Another thing fun with Sue is I got to meet her. Um, She came in the shop and we had such a great conversation as she shared that she was a follower. She gives us great encouragement and feedback. So it's really fun to meet our listeners in person. Eric and I both have a store so you can stop in and say hi if you come to the Northwoods. Sue said, welcome back. I can't tell how crazy excited I was to see a new episode of the Cabin Cast in my podcast podcast playlist. Your episode brought back memories of my very first romance on the lake. I was 12 and spent every day in the water with my cousins. It was midsummer and we were all in a state of half tan, thighs up tan because legs were always in the water. One day a new boy showed up. His cousins owned a cabin just downstream from us. He had copper colored hair and was a hoot. We hit it off, played together on the shoreline all summer. Just when we were starting to have those awkward moments of puppy love, summer had ended and he was preparing to leave. Together we made a plan. We would meet at the roller rink at night and just maybe we would hold hands. I fought for hours to make my summer tangles of hair look presentable, put on my coolest jeans and earrings I bought at the 4th of July rummage sale. I was ready. When I got to the rink, he was there his dry hair a little more spun gold than copper. I could see him looking around, but for some reason he was never looking at me. He seemed to be fixed on my cousin Kimmy. He walked straight up to her and planted a kiss on her cheek. I was stunned. I grabbed my jacket crying and ran home. Two days later, when I was forced to be in the same room as my traitorous cousin, she confessed the whole story. It seems he had never seen me dry or with my hair out of braids, not to mention wearing clothes. He picked the girl closest to what he thought I looked like in the dark and kissed her. Kim slugged him and he ran off. His family had loaded up their Jeep and headed out early that next morning, never to be seen again. In fairness to Kimmy, she was wearing her terry cloth swimsuit cover up with her hair still wet and in braids. And I eventually forgave her, but never him. Ah, summer love from Sue. Oh, that's great. Isn't that fun? 
Did you have any? Yeah, such summer, a good story. Summer, summer romances. I I don't think nothing like that. Nothing like what is it, Dirty Dancing or right? or uh, Grease or whatever, <laughs> or like summer love. <laughs> no, it was probably just more you know your standard relationship that you know we had a lot of fun in the summer going up to cabins and things. But it, I I don't have anything specifically like that. No, did you? Well, I always had crushes on my summer camp count, like some of the guys, summer camp counselors. Always, I would have a crush. Sure, sure. And if they smiled at me, I would think, oh my gosh, they must like me too. You know, I just thought I was <laughs> grown up. But um, I remember one time at, at a summer camp in Colorado, there was a boy I like, and a bunch of us went up to watch the meteor shower that happens every August. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. It just happened. I think it starts with a P. But. It was like we could almost touch them. We were so close on top of this mountain. And I thought that was so romantic, even though, I mean, we didn't hold hands. We didn't do anything, but yeah, but it was a special memory. But I love Sue's story. Her descriptions of like their tans only up to their knees or, you know, because they were always in the water. Yep. So I I would encourage everybody to almost write these little memories down you know, it, and, and send them to us. That can be their incentive to make sure they get it done. I would love to share more people's stories, and it makes a great memory to think back on it. And then you have it in writing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, thank you so much, Sue. Um, we did get another one based on last week's episode, too. And this was a voice recording. So this might sound a little different, too. Insta- it was a voice recording over Instagram, which is doesn't have a way to download onto your phone just to play the audio. So I'm going to play it as audio on my computer into my microphone, but it kind of has that call-in show sound and vibe too. And this is from another awesome listener and it's old blue silo yeah. is the, uh, the Instagram handle and uh, her name is Kelly. So Kelly has some thoughts on one of the articles we read last week. So I'm really excited to share this with everyone as well. So enjoy. So I move my microphone here. Hey, Kristen and Eric, it was so fun to hear your guys' voices again. Um, I love, love, love the cabin cast. I think it's because you guys are old souls, much like I am. And I just love the way you guys view the world. But anyways, I had to call in. I thought the voice memo would be the easiest because I live in the county next to Kosciuszko County um, here in northern Indiana. So I kind of got chills when you were reading that article about Dewart Lake which is next to Lake Wawasee in Syracuse. So that is a really big lake area here in Indiana. But anyways, I grew up going to Dewart Lake and into my college years. One of my best friends, grandparents and parents had a lake home. Um, Those are some of my best memories. And to be honest, I I hate to say it, but the 4th of July has never been the same since my last one at Dewar Lake. Unfortunately, that friend and I have grown apart over the years, as you know, we do as adults. His parents actually sold their farm and moved to the lake permanently. That was kind of part of their retirement plan. But anyways, I just, you know, had to pop in and say hello and welcome back. And it was fun hearing you try to pronounce all of the different 
counties and town names in my area, I would probably have just as much trouble up in Wisconsin. But again, yeah, welcome back and looking forward to more episodes from you guys. That's great. Yeah, so that was so great. So thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing. And yeah, we I was still thinking about that the other day, like the pronunciation of all the Wisconsin places. I'm like, oh, I'm sure they'd have the same problem. So I'm glad that you noticed that. That was super funny. Right. At least you were trying, Eric. Right. At least you're trying right. to pronounce it. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's great. I love getting all that feedback from everybody and hearing their stories. Um, I found some stories that were interesting as I was looking for some fun things to share. This, it was a video that we'll put a link to. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's a news story from CBS News on cbsnews.com. And it aired back in 2018, but it's still interesting today because we've talked in the past episodes as we share, you know, stories about history and historical figures that grew up in cabins, like Abraham Lincoln growing up in a cabin. And this story is about, it's called The Strange Story of Lincoln's Cabin. And in 2018, a professor from the University of Tennessee and his students decided to find out if the cabins that are, are said to be Lincoln's birthplace cabin and where he lived are actually real by counting the rings inside the logs. So they drilled into the logs and pulled out segment and everybody can see the whole story on the link. Um, And then they were counting the rings because one of the phrases he said was that trees don't lie. People like to embellish history. You know, people can change history to match the story they want, but the trees can't lie. So the, the story lets you know that, well, I don't know if I should give away the ending. Everybody should go over and get the link and see if they really were built back when he was born or if they were built later. It gives it gives the what oh, that's interesting. About. What do you think it's going to say? Yeah, I wonder how. Well, I just I wonder how they do that because the core sample would tell you how old the tree is when it was cut down and stopped growing. But right. I guess you'd wonder if it would tell you how phys- like when the year the tree started growing. I think that would be hard unless they can do like a carbon dating or something. That's really interesting. Well, if it was cut down in you know the eighteen. 18- 60s then he wouldn't have been born in it so they have some they have some answers but oh another, yeah another interesting cool. thing that they that they shared in the story is that abraham lincoln's cabin was taken apart after the war and so was jefferson davis's and they were put on wagons and taken around the country and re they were re-put together to show people around the country, like going to a little fair. You get to go see Lincoln's cabin. And then when they brought it back to the oh, homestead, they- all the logs got mixed up. They weren't cataloged. So it's like, where were the logs really from? Oh, so that- it's like a- <laughs> yeah. Let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Kristen. I'm here to tell you about White Arrow's Home. White Arrow's Home is a lifestyle brand that shares a warm and cozy mix of design ideas, inspirational style, and personal journeys from the backdrop of the Wisconsin Northwoods and my lakeside log cabin home. I love sharing daily inspiration for you on my blog, through social media, and in my shop. 
At White Arrow's home, you can shop in person in the store, but also online from anywhere. You'll find a mix of antique, vintage, and new furniture, accessories, and gifts carefully curated to fit our brand of classy cabin and cottage decor, campy style, and always a heavy sprinkling of plaids. New products come in the shop daily with decor that will let you bring Northwoods Living into your own home and style spaces that are inviting, beautiful, and make family and friends want to linger longer. So it's like when my kids play Legos and then drop the Legos, they shatter everywhere and it just gets completely put back randomly. Right. The design could be different. Everything could be different about that. Right. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I haven't seen the story, so I'm, I'm definitely check that out after we're done recording and, and get to see. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes for everyone to see that. Well, they now call it a symbolic cabin instead of. Oh, a symbolic cabin. They had to come up with a new term that still made it something special yeah but yeah that's like when you know the dog eats your homework you you bring (laughs) symbolic homework there so it's like it represents the homework that we we did and it's not really real homework this sounds like something you know about eric yeah yeah i'll have to use that one just for anything yeah this (laughs) it's it's the symbol of the dinner i cooked for my family not (laughs) it's just like it it stands for you know a a healthy meal but it is mcdonald's so i hope you don't listen to this episode right (laughs) yeah right one of the things that we're always out, you know, looking for just like really interesting stories about specific homes. And I, I kind of love the architectural magazines or when they do a feature on a home, sometimes it's more of an advertisement for an architect or something. But when the, the photography is really wonderful and they actually tie the story in of a cabin to the the pictures it makes it a little more special. So we found an article from Garden and Gun magazine, which is a pretty cool magazine, I think, from somewhere down south there. And this is an article titled, An Inviting Alabama Lake House Tells a Family Story. Again, I won't read the entire article. It's by uh, Jennifer Cornegay and... I mean, the first image you just see is this like dark, moody kitchen with dark countertops and and really beautiful wood, kind of more open shelving wood on the floor, wood on the ceiling, wood on the walls. And just it looks like a really special place. But I wanted to read the first couple paragraphs because I thought there were some neat kind of special ideas in there. In the 1950s at her grandparents cabin tucked away along the shores of Alabama's Lake Martin, Hillary Head's grand father baked biscuits each morning while her father boated and water skied as a child had splashed in the same cove and lazed on the same dock and later relished the same family tradition of a day's end cocktail cruise in 1995 her parents built a house next door where her three children learned to swim and tube and gobbled up the golden biscuits still made from her grandfather's recipe after her husband's death in 2018, had decided it was her turn to build on the pine-punctuated piece of her family's lakeside land, prompted by a long-held desire for a retreat of her own on the special spot and belief that the process could provide solace. My boys were in college, she says, but I knew my teenage daughter, Beverly, would have some great ideas and it was something we could do together. She had no specific style in mind, no stack of dog-eared magazines, yet she knew exactly what she wanted. A lake house, not a house at the lake, she said. I feel a deep connection to this land and I wanted this house to be long like it grew alongside the trees 
From the front drive, the cedar shake roof offers the unassuming welcome that had envisioned. Locally sourced stones flanking the exterior look more found than placed, while wood beams mimic the hue of the lake that's lit by the afternoon sun. So it's just, you know, gorgeous photos, a really beautiful, well-designed lake home and just, you know, furnished to the nines. And I just thought it was a cool idea of just adding houses like her grandfather had a house, her mother built a house, and then she built the house all for the family on the same property. That's really cool. I love that. And I love how she said she wanted a house by the lake, not a lake house. Yeah. I mean, just like, yeah, that's that a really great the phrase is really cool and that it would, you know, look like it had grown with the trees. So, yeah, and I want that biscuit recipe too, but uh-huh. I don't think that's in there. That's not in the article. That should be included whenever you have to talk about. It. Unless you say secret in front of the recipe, and it didn't say secret family recipe, that they should always share those types of recipes. Maybe it was a symbolic recipe. A symbolic recipe, right? <laughs> or, or it's more like. Yeah, my I have a recipe for enchiladas that I say is an old Norwegian family recipe of enchiladas <laughs> that we always cook. Well, and I have a friend whose mother, she says people will ask for the recipe. So she gives them the recipe, but she leaves out one thing. So, really? So nobody can ever fully make okay. the amazing recipe from her. <laughs> They'll always be like, gosh, when I do it, it just doesn't turn out quite as well as oh, yours. That, that's almost, yeah, that's a little nefarious, oh, I think. That's like setting someone up to fail. Be like, I just can't do it. Oh, you must not have added enough love in there is probably what she's thinking. Right. So that's a little harsh. Yeah, but if anybody else has a good biscuit recipe, pass it on to us. We'll try. It. Yeah, I haven't, I don't do, I haven't gotten into baking so much. We're, uh, working on adding this really amazing cast iron pan company that we'll announce kind of soon to to sell it roughing it and uh the the recipes they make in there are amazing and i'm excited to share that and get into a little more like the reclaimed barnwood kitchens that we make are like gorgeous and beautiful and how do you promote them a little bit better without just saying like buy a kitchen buy a kitchen it's like show people using them and like what you do in a kitchen is cook and show the amazing meals and, and have that as part of things so we'll uh i'll be putting a little bit more of that out there into the world soon which will be exciting well and i that's the first thing i thought is that oh you've got to make biscuits in your cast iron for sure right right and getting it like learning about baking a little bit more would be how i'm I, I like cooking i like you know pan and grilling and everything but i really haven't gotten to baking to the point where you know it feels a little more scientific like you got to follow the rules and less kind of figuring out like going by i guess gut feeling when you're grilling and cooking right i mean there's some certain rules but you really got to go like visual a lot of baking is very specific put the thing in wait this long you stir eight times counterclockwise don't go too fast don't go too slow right if you don't you know make a boat in the middle to put the egg in and you just throw the egg in it's i mean there's just like all these specific things and then it's still a lot of times oh oh the humidity must have been too high or the altitude wasn't right or there's like all these things i'm making like it's way easier just to like season a steak throw it on a grill and just make it amazing than and baking just seems a little more intensive like you need a lab coat on definitely Definitely. Which was, reminds me of a book that a lot of people may have recently read, Lessons in Chemistry. So I, it's a book I highly recommend. I listened to it in audiobook and I loved it in audiobook. And it's coming out in a series on Apple TV. And it's about a, a scientist who loves to bake because of the science behind it. But there's just a great 
great story. There's a lot in that. We did it for my book club and we talked for hours about this book. So if anybody's looking it's a for fiction a book. book. Yep. Fiction. So if anybody's oh, cool. looking for a great road trip, listen or read or lay in the hammock on a fall day, grab lessons in chemistry. If you haven't yet, <laughs> uh, we can link that too. So everybody will know the author. Yep. And speaking of books, I have one I grabbed out of my shop today. It's Surviving the Great Outdoors, and it's by Brendan Leonard. And it's full of everything you can think of from survival skills to how to drive a car in the winter and on bumpy roads, how to get out of your canoe if it falls over, all kinds of practical tips. And what I love about it is, is it is in little chunks with questions and then answers. So you can skim through it to find the things you're interested in. You can just read little bits at a time. It doesn't have to be something that you can't put down. It'd be a great one sitting on a coffee table for people to pick up. Uh, but one of the things I, I found in it that I thought was interesting to share with the cabin cast is the 10 best American towns for outdoor adventures. And one of them happens to be pretty near to us. Do you have any guesses where it would be near us? Hmm, the top 10 best towns for outdoor adventures? Yes. Hmm. Maybe Bayfield? No, but that or is. Hayward? Um, it's Duluth. Oh, cool. Number five is Duluth, Minnesota. So here's the 10 best, and it'll be interesting to you know hear people's stories if they live near one of these or if it's a favorite place for them to travel um, or if other people. And this is a book about surviving the outdoors surviving in the, the most comfortable doors and enjoying it. Yes. Enjoying okay. surviving the right cool. before the 10 best American towns for outdoor adventures is the gear and how much you need, you know, there's things about how to get my vehicle out of the mud. Oh, sure. How to carry a big knife along with you uh, in your pack. Uh, how to carry it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's full of just all kinds of things and then these little interesting tidbits inside. So just a really Great. fun book to read. I love reading lists, though, and seeing, you know, oh, I've never done any of those things or I have done them. So the number one that, that this book says is Asheville, North Carolina. It says its proximity to world class rock climbing, whitewater and mountain biking makes it a destination for many outdoor adventures. So Asheville, North Carolina is number one. Bishop, California is number two. Located at the foot of the Sierras, Bishop features nearby bouldering, rock climbing, hiking, and hot springs. Number three, Boulder, Colorado. Boulder has thousands of rock climbing routes within a one-hour drive, plus close access to Rocky Mountain National Park and Colorado skiing. Four is Chattanooga, Tennessee. This southern part of the state has whitewater rafting and kayaking, mountain bike trails, and some of the southeast's best rock climbing. Number five is Duluth, Minnesota. Head to Duluth for great mountain biking, hiking, skiing, and paddling on the shore of Lake Superior. Six is Flagstaff, Arizona. You'll find Arizona's best rock climbs here. You can also mountain bike in nearby Sedona, and the Grand Canyon is about a 90-minute drive away. Well, what in the world? It said 10, but that was six. I'd have to do some research and see what happened. 
there are supposed to be 10. So, okay. They say top 10 and they give you six. Yeah. Everybody else has to give us what they think the last four should be. Do you? Okay. So you these are the best of, cities. What do you think? Of what other would you places are amazing for? Yeah. I mean, it just depends on where you want to go. Like, I mean, Jackson hole is amazing. There's, there's all kinds of whitewater rafting places to go. We were, you know, just visited there. I, and it depends on what they, whenever they have these lists, it, you, it always seems like it's tough to quantify the size of the city. Right. They always pick big places. Oh, you got to live in this metropolis that's close to things. But like a lot of the things they're talking about aren't actually in that city right. to, to do. You have to drive an hour away. So it's like, why, where are the centrally located places that you can do a ton of outdoors things? So I'm sure there's places up in Maine that would be amazing or near the Adirondacks, the you know, different trails you can go on or if you want beach life or like, I mean, it, it's just there's these amazing areas usually within an hour or two drive of almost everywhere yeah i think for me it's the ones that have things all year round to do outside so that is a lot of the places out west if there's skiing and hiking and bouldering and whitewater rafting and cross you know if you can do things all year round i think that really makes one of the top top places so another thing that was cool in the book i thought was Something I'd love to hear from our listeners too. What smartphone apps for adventure they recommend? Mm, so that's cool. They recommend this does say top five, and there are five. Um, okay. They say offline topo downloads USGS topography maps to your phone. Uh, yeah, I use one like that called Onyx for hunting properties. That's really amazing. So if you're hunting on public land, it tells you where the borders are, and it, it's all based off of the top topography, the U.S. maps, and then it tells you landowners and basically where it, you can can't hunt, and then you, you can mark, say, where your tree stand is, so you can find it in the dark, or if you're following a trail of an animal, you can mark the trail or mark the different signs. So that that's a really awesome app like that. Yeah, my husband uses that one too, and we use it so much even if we're like out in our woods to navigate our way back yeah it's really cool this one is i don't know exactly how to pronounce it but g-a-i-a g-i-g-a gps gaia gaia sets gps tracks and waypoints and downloads usgs topography maps to your phones and other same kind weather underground i know a lot of people like that one provides Hyper local, detailed by the hour weather forecasts. My altitude uses your phone's GPS signal to determine your altitude, even when you're out of cell phone service range. Oh, that's cool. That would be really interesting as you're hiking in like Colorado to know where you're at. Yeah. Uh, sky view free identifies constellations when you point your phone up at the sky. That Those are neat. That's a, that's a fun one, especially with your kids. Yeah. See what. You'll sound so smart, right? <laughs> like, can you right, this right. translation? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. And it's like, why, well, Dad, put your phone away and tell us. Oh, no, I'd probably prefer to <laughs> use that. <laughs> yeah, I know my daughter, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode, uses All Trails app. And she lives in Germany. Okay. And it even it works there, too. So she hikes almost every day there and is able to follow the trails. So if one shows things globally, that's just a great thing too. You can have yeah, and a lot of those topo- those topography map apps, you can download them. But if you end up forgetting to, like, you're looking at the map using the map, and it's online, right? 
and then you forget to download it and then you get out in the woods and pull it back up and you forgot to download it, that does cause some issues if you're counting on that being there because a lot of them, you know, you don't have reception. It's not going to give you any of the information. So that's like an actual double check thing. You want to make sure it's actually a downloaded map when you end up in that area. Yeah, I, I even had that two weeks ago. I was driving a different way to our land in southern Wisconsin and it was raining. It was dark. It's that time of year when you can't get your defrost right. And I knew I was going to be on these back roads in the dark and rain and I could lose reception. So I screenshot every step of where I needed to go just in case I did lose it because I count on that so much now to have my, you know, Siri telling me which way to go. And I knew I would, there's not a lot of people out there. So I was kind of be on my own. So it is good to think about what's downloaded or what you need to do and not always trust you're going to have service. So that's a good reminder. Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, that's the, it's a good thing to have them, but it's also hard that you're, we rely on them so much now to navigate, especially in the woods. There's a, a show that I watch, um, Jim Shockey's Uncharted, which is really kind of amazing. They, they do moose hunt guides up in the Yukon and all over and they have to keep all their equipment up there and then they show up and it's not working right. And there's all these challenges that they have, but they have GPS units that they mark all their trails on and their maps and everything and where they go. And each specific site has its own GPS unit that goes with it. And the episode I was watching last night, the kid that was in charge of this whole thing, because they have the system where you're like a junior guide or you're just a guy who runs a camera or whatever. And you have to build your way up to be the main guide. It's like the first year, this guy's the main guide they make him actually guide for the owner of the company's hunt which is super stressful right they're with like jim shockey this big hunting personality and the kid forgot their gps for the site oh gosh like way way back in like the coastal town so it's, it wasn't even like where they keep all their gear at to fly out when there's trouble with other stuff to the camps it's like they did not have that gps they flew them out a brand new gps but there was like a whole cut scene of like the owner of the company to this poor kid going like oh stuck again would have been nice to have that gps would have been nice and like they kept getting stuck or following trails that didn't go anywhere when they had another gps that had their entire route mapped in the in the Yukon wilderness and they're driving around in these Argos which are these six wheel things that go through water and they go on land and it's it's not like the UTVs everyone flies around 80 miles an hour and these are like true off-road slow moving kind of army tank looking little things that go through everything but they just kept running into these like false trails and they had it all mapped out and prefigured previously so it was just like gosh they're so nice but if you're relying on them and something goes wrong your battery runs out something malfunctions you can end up in a little bit of trouble because you can't read a physical map a lot of people don't even carry physical maps anymore right when they're out in the woods they just rely on their phones well another reason to have surviving the great outdoors book in case there's things you need to know yeah if they would have had that they could have figured out yeah (laughs) we just have to make it to Asheville, north carolina and we'll be fine (laughs) and if we can boil pine needle tea then we'll survive yeah right right yes survival too i've been watching that netflix has alone have you you guys watched alone i have not but my kids have show yeah my kids have yeah so that that's a crazy one where it when you actually you know i think some people have maybe a romantic idea of how 
surviving the wilderness would actually be. Oh, it's just be so peaceful and take your time doing this. And it's like, no, it's pretty much like you're at a, a battle with wilderness just to stay alive and get enough calories to do the work you need to keep shelter and to find animals. And a lot of the places they send people to are pretty rough areas weather wise where, you know, they probably set them down in September and then winter's hitting like right late October, the snow flies. And if they're not prepared and ready with food saved up, they, it can get pretty, pretty tough and dangerous. Yeah. My survival image is always from hatchet. Remember that book? It's like, yeah. It's great book. Gary, Gary Paulson. Yeah, that's what I always think of when I think of survivalist is Brian and hatchet. And all, yeah. All his yeah. Ways that's, to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's a great book. I wish that so. would get in, made into a, a good movie. We saw. Yeah, isn't there an old movie that's yeah, pretty rough? Yeah, it's rough. So that would be a great one for somebody to somebody to latch on. Redo. And redo, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. Well, great talking to you. Hopefully, uh, the audio turns out good for everybody. We'll work on that and then uh, enjoy your, your weekend. Yes, you too. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Cabin Cast. You can find details and more information in the show notes on our website at www.thecabincast.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you won't miss a single episode. Follow us on your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Cabin Cast. We'd also love to hear from you. We want to hear your getaway and cabin stories. For a chance to have your story featured on an upcoming episode, email us at getaway at the Until next week, enjoy the journey.